This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. We want to uh, conclude the series that we've been teaching for the last number of weeks on overcoming offenses. And um, I want to start in James chapter 3 and kind of wrap some things up this morning. Uh, James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we'll read the first couple of verses. James, writing by the Holy Ghost, says to the church, he says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things, verse 2, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. The um, uh, Most translations will translate this word masters as teachers. And uh, different uh, translations, different ways that this is presented will say something like, uh, uh, don't seek to be teachers uh, or don't, uh, don't aspire, don't try to be teachers of other people. It can't be talking about the ministry gift of the teacher because that's not something because that's not something that comes or happens because somebody seeks it. It's something that God calls you to. So the masters, or as it's translated in other uh, many translations as teachers, it's got to be something more than that. It's got to be something different than, the, than the, the office of the teacher. Well, what's he saying? Well, one translation says it this way, and I really like how this one is, uh, is presented. It says, don't seek to be, uh, don't seek opportunities to tell other people what to do. Now, folks, I don't have to say another word for the rest of the morning. <laughs> Just let God deal with you on that. And that's the context that he's speaking of here, and and that's the best translation that I can I can um, that I can find. It's certainly true to the meaning because James is saying, "Don't try to be someone that tells other people what to do." Why? Because everybody misses it. Verse two, he says, "Everybody misses it." I never have understood why people. You would not believe the number of people that come to me or call me or or whatever, get in touch with me and say, "Pastor Mike, I I need to know what I ought to do." So and so told me what told me that I should do this. What do you think? Well, what does it matter what I think? I don't have to live your life. And if I'm your pastor and I don't know what you're supposed to do, how's somebody else that's just giving out advice going to know? It, it amazes me. It just absolutely amazes me how quickly people are, or how quick people are to jump out there and tell other people, well, I think you ought to do this. Well, what if you're wrong? What if they listen to you and you're wrong? One of the greatest uh, difficulties that I ever saw anybody have to try to overcome in their life was something just exactly like this. They were in uh, another church, which was probably 30 years ago, and, uh, and, and they were in a real crisis situation in their life, and somebody, a good friend of theirs in their church at that time, had told them what they thought they ought to do about their situation, and they listened to them, and they did it, and it went horribly, horribly wrong. They were offended at God. They were offended at the church. They were offended at the pastor for not, for God not speaking to him to straighten the thing out before it ever happened. It was a mess. I mean, it was an absolute mess. And when they finally came to our church, they had a chip on their shoulder that was as big as a 10 story building. Proverbs 18 says that a brother offended is harder to be one than a city with strong and big walls. And that's exactly what that situation was. They had been offended. And why had they been offended? Because somebody told them something, had no business telling them, just jumping out there 
and saying, here's what I think you ought to do. They may have even said it stronger and said something that, uh, that to indicate that God was behind it. But let's look at these verses again now in the context that James was trying to speak. He says, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Do you know you have to answer for people that, for the times that you tell other people what you think they ought to do? James is a pastor and he's saying, I've got a responsibility here. If I tell somebody what to do or the position that I have as a pastor, sometimes God will give me direction for other people and things like that, but I've got an answer for that. You don't want that. If God hadn't called you to do that, you don't want that. Trust me on that. That's why I'm very careful. People ask me, what I, what should I do? Pastor Mike, what should I do? And I'll tell them, I don't know. I may have an idea. I may have an opinion. I may even know what I would do if I were in your situation. But your responsibility is not to get direction from me. Your responsibility is to get direction from God. The Bible says we're to be led by the Holy Ghost, not led by people and their advice and what they think. Why? Because anybody can miss it. Verse 2, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bri- also to bridle the whole body. Literally what he's saying, when it comes to offenses, he's saying you learn to control your tongue, you got it made. It's hard to offend somebody unless it's through the words that we speak. Now, turn back with me to Matthew chapter 15. Because there's a, there's, I'm going to pull this out of context just a little bit, but I want you to see the, uh, see the example of Jesus' life. If the Bible says in many things we offend all, then th- shouldn't that mean, or couldn't we interpret that to mean at least, that we're going to offend people no matter what, so we might as well give up and not try not to? Yet the Bible tells us the way not to offend people. Now let's look at the life of Jesus as an example. And like I said, I want to wrap up this uh, this series this morning. I want to show you something about Jesus um, well, Jesus was the Prince of Peace, right? As such, we would assume that Jesus never offended anybody. <laughs> Au contraire. Notice in chapter 15 of Matthew, it says, beginning in verse 1, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Oh, dear Lord. We're talking big-time lawbreakers here. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Folks, let me tell you a little secret. Everybody that's looking for what's wrong in somebody else has always got stuff wrong in their own lives. Everybody that's criticizing and saying, Well, here's what's wrong with the church. Here's what's wrong with that group. Here's what's wrong with them. They're trying to deflect attention from the fact that they've got their own stuff. They're trying not to deal with their own stuff and trying to find fault with somebody else. Jesus said, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Now, notice the difference. Notice the comparison. The uh, scribes said, why do the disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Jesus said, why do you transgress the, the commandment of God? We're not talking a level playing field here. He's saying what you're doing is a lot worse because it's the commandment of God. For, verse 4, God commanded, saying, honor your father and your mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited, be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Now let me explain this. 
the Jews had created a way, certainly it wasn't anything that God was behind or God had intended, but the Jews had created a way where you could buy yourself out of responsibility towards your parents. Instead of the responsibility that all of us have to honor our father and mother. Now, the Bible says, children, obey your parents. But it says to all of us, honor your father and mother. There comes a point where as we grow up and we're not children anymore, we don't have to obey our parents. Thank God for that. But we never are released from the responsibility to show them honor. Right, wrong, good, bad, we still have a responsibility before God to honor them. But the Jews said, well, that's a lifelong commitment. That's kind of tough. So what you can do instead is you can offer them money. You can bring them a gift and say, here, Mom, here, Dad, this is a gift I want you to be provided for. Now I have no more responsibility to honor you. Jesus is pointing that out as a transgression of the commandment of God. And he says again in the last part of verse 6, he says, Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Now, folks, let me tell you something. This is probably the most common thing, the common principle, for why Christians fail to realize what the Bible says belongs to them. They make the word of God of none effect by their tradition. The word tradition means precept or it means reasoning. You can think things out contrary to what the Bible says and make the word of God, which is the most powerful thing in the universe. It's the thing that God used to create the worlds. Everything that is seen was created by the Word of God. It is the single most powerful thing that, that, that can exist. Yet you can make it null and void of power through wrong thinking. And so many people do. Verse 7, You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. For in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For in vain they do worship me. That means what they're, what they're calling worship is worthless as far as God's concerned. For in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Do you know you could be religious in appearance? You could be worshipful in appearance. You could be, you could look like a guy that loves God more than anything else possible. And it be absolutely of none effect because of wrong thinking, traditions, traditional thinking that changes the power of the Word of God and nullifies the Word of God in your life. It's not all just about how it looks, is it? Yet man looks on the outward appearance. We judge things by what things look like. It's a natural tendency. you got to develop yourself in the wisdom of God not to. But that's man's first inclination. We see people that are acting worshipful. We see people that are acting like they love God. That's why Jesus said, your life should bear fruit. Jesus said, you should be known by your fruit, not by your appearance, but by your fruit. Verse 10, and he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defiles the man, but that which comes out of the mouth, this defiles the man. Then came the disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? Now, folks, I've got to tell you, this may be the one thing the Pharisees got right in Jesus' ministry. They understood 
that he was talking about them. They got this one. Now, notice what Jesus did. If the purpose and if our instruction by God, by the Holy Ghost in our Christian life is to avoid all offense at every cost, then Jesus is going to go try to fix this. Jesus is going to go to the Pharisees and say, wait a minute, maybe I was a little bit harsh. I shouldn't have called you hypocrites. I mean, you are being hypocrites, but that's that's probably not the best way to reach you. There's all kinds of things that he could have done and that that we, in our modern-day politically correct culture, might try to do. But notice what Jesus did when he found out the Pharisees were offended. I doubt that it was a surprise when the disciples told him. But nevertheless, the next verse says in verse 13, He answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. If the blind lead the blind, they both do fall into the ditch. Jesus wasn't concerned about these guys being offended. He goes on, Jesus said, or the disciples asked him to, um, to declare unto this, this parable. Tell us what this parable means, in other words. And Jesus said, Are you also yet without understanding? Do not, do not ye yet understand that whatsoever enters into the mouth goes out into the belly and is cast out into the drought? But those things which proceed from the mouth out of the mouth, come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defiles not the man. Verse 19 goes back to verse 8, and that has to do with attitudes. It has to do with thinking. It has to do with right thinking versus wrong thinking. And Jesus is saying that the way that those thoughts are expressed is through words. That brings us back to James chapter 3 and verse 2. If any man's able to control his tongue, he's a perfect man. You want to keep from offending people? Control your tongue. But here Jesus has offended the Pharisees and doesn't seem to care. So, folks, I've got a commandment of the Lord from you. Offend everybody you want to and don't worry about it. We wish that's what it meant, don't we? But you need to realize something. When it came to Jesus' life and the example that he sets for us, he offends a lot of people. The church has this idea that Jesus kind of tiptoed through the tulips, making sure not to, not to step on anybody's toes. Not so. Jesus stepped on everybody's toes. Mark chapter 3 and John chapter 7 tells us about how he offended his family. His family wound up saying, this guy's crazy. He's gone too far now. They were offended at it. And Jesus says, who is my mother? Who is my father? Who are my brethren? Those that keep the word of God that I preach. They were offended at him. Jesus didn't try to fix that. Jesus' disciples, John chapter 6, tells us that Jesus' disciples were offended when he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Boy, everybody got upset about that. John chapter 6, about verse 63, 64, somewhere around there, says that from that time forward, his disciples, many of his disciples turned back and walked no more with him. Did Jesus go back and try to get them? Nope. As everybody was leaving, he'd say, wait, 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 wait. We can clear this up. Folks, I want you to understand something. When it came to principle, when it came to the truth of God's word, Jesus was unmovable, and he didn't care what anybody thought about it. 
Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. The Bible says Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses on the cross. He was wounded, Isaiah 53, 5 says he was wounded for your transgressions, that's sins. He was bruised for your iniquities, that's sins. The chastisement of your peace was upon him, that's provision. That's the penalty or the, uh, uh, the overcoming of the curse of poverty. And by his stripes, you were healed. That's the overcoming of sickness. The Bible says in the same verse, the same verse that Jesus paid the price for your sins, he paid the price for your sickness. Now, if somebody was coming to get saved, we wouldn't expect them to pray all night to see if God would do it, would we? Why is it different with healing? Jesus paid the same price at the same time. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Turn over with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is just living by the same example that he's preached to his disciples. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Jesus said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. Same circumstances, same rain, same wind, same flood. For both people, both types of people. And great was the fall of it, the one that built his house on the sand. And great was the fall of it. Verse 28, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. They were astonished at his doctrine, his teaching. They weren't astonished at him. Very seldom does the Bible tell us that people were amazed at Jesus. After a miracle or some kind of big sign or something like that, sometimes that they would be astonished. But more than anything else, the Bible tells us that the people were astonished at Jesus' teaching. Why would they be astonished at his teaching? It would seem to me that if Jesus is teaching on the power of God and then demonstrates the power of God, they're going to be astonished at him. But it says just the other. It says that they were astonished at his doctrine, his teaching. Why? Verse 29. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. This is a terrible, terrible translation. Notice the word one in there. If you've got a King James, the word one in there is in italics. That means the translators added it trying to help us understand what's being said. The problem is they don't understand what's being said. So they're trying to help us understand what they think. Verse 29 is a lot of translator tradition instead of what the Scripture literally says. In the Greek, it literally reads this way. For he taught them as having authority and not as the scribes. What does that mean? The word as means how or the manner to. The word having means to hold. He's teaching them. It says they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them how to hold authority. How do you hold authority? By being a doer of the word, by building your house on the rock. 
by building your house on the rock. Turn with me over to to Mark chapter 4. We looked at this a little bit, but I want to look at it just a little bit more in detail this morning. It's the parable of the sower sowing the word. Now here where it says the the man that builds his house on the rock in Matthew chapter 7, he has a successful life. He's able to handle the circumstances and the storms of life. Jesus is talking in Mark chapter 4 about the parable of the sower sowing the word into four different types of ground. Here he's talking about instead of successful life as far as the weathering the storms, he's talking about weathering circumstances in life to bring forth fruit. But it's the same example. He's using two different illustrations to get to the same point. And notice we'll start, uh, uh, where do we want to start reading on this? I don't want to read the whole thing for the sake of time. Let's start in verse 13. His explanation, he says, know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? In other words, he's saying this is the key to everything. This isn't just the explanation for this one. This is the explanation for everyone. And the explanation for everyone is he that has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, the attention you give to the word makes the difference in each of these four areas or four types of ground. He's talking about not letting something take your attention away from the Word. That's the key to everything. That's the key to Matthew chapter 7, building your house on the rock. Not to let the storms distract you, but keep yourself fixed and uh, focused on the truth of the Word. It's what brings success. That's the key to everything, folks. That's why he said, if you understand the meaning of this parable, you can know them all. Because it all comes back to one thing and one thing only, and that is it's the word that we keep our eyes on. It's the word we keep our attention fixed on. It's the word that we keep as our focus in life. That's what puts us over. Nothing else can. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, the only way that Satan can come is through thoughts. So what he's saying is the same thing that we saw with the, the, the Pharisees, how they uh, made the word of God of none effect by their tradition. It's wrong thinking that makes the word of, uh, word of God of none effect. It's, the, it's wrong thinking that nullifies the power of the word. So when you hear the word preached, when the devil's right there on your shoulder saying, oh, that can't work, that can't be true. If you accept what he's saying, then the word of God, which has the power to deliver you in each and every situation, won't work for you. That's the wayside type of people. Verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root, literally no moisture in themselves, no depth of earth. And so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. In other words, he's saying here's part of the storms of life, affliction and persecution. Affliction and persecution are designed for one and only one thing, and that is to get you distracted from the truth of the Word, to get you to stop doing what the Word says and do something else as a replacement. Because that will bring failure, and that's what the devil's after. He's after you being a failure in life. Verse 7, uh, verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the Word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the Word, and it becomes unfruitful. So what's he saying? He's saying here are more storms of life. Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lusts of other things. But wait a minute. I thought some of those things are good. I mean, it's good that we've got a thing called a building to meet in. It's good that we've got a TV broadcast, a thing called a TV broadcast so we can reach more people. Those are things. Those are are things. Those are good. What's wrong about the cares of the world? And uh, everybody's got cares of the world. Everybody's got to 
pay the bills and take care of the things that are going on. What's wrong with that stuff? The, the problem with it is if we get so focused on those things that it distracts us from being doers of the word. He's not saying there's wrong with any of those things. God knows that you have cares in your life. He knows things that, that there are things that you're responsible for and things you have to take care of. Taking care of your family is a good thing. It's a care of this world. It's a good thing. You're supposed to do that. But you're not supposed to get your eyes so fixed on earning money for uh, to provide for your family that you forget to keep your attention focused on the Word. Why? Because the Word will help you earn money. God wants you to have all the things of the life that, that to enjoy, the Bible says. But not at the expense of our attending to the Word. Finally, verse 20. These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Who brings forth the fruit? The people that bring forth the fruit are the ones that build their house on the rock, the people that stand through the storms of life. They're the ones that are able to not be distracted when affliction, persecution, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lusts of other things come in against them. Those are the storms of life that he's talking about in Matthew chapter 7. Now let me give you an example of this. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 22. Let's start reading in verse 21. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. He's talking about Judas. And they began to inquire among themselves. Here's the 12 at the, at the Last Supper. They began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also a strife among them which of them should be accounted as the greatest. I mean, we can see these guys' character flaws, but there's got to be something here that we don't get. But at least we can assume and understand that the Bible has closely associated with these two things. Jesus saying, I'm going to be betrayed, and they start arguing about who's going to be greatest. Right? Jesus answers, verse 25, and says, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that does serve. Now, folks, you need to understand something. This is such an important principle in the world that we live in. He says there's two kinds of government. He said there's the world's kind of government that wants to exercise control over you. He said there's the kind of leadership that I provide that is to serve you. Verse 27, for whether or which is greater, he that sits at meat or he that serves, is not he that sitteth at meat the greater one? But I am among, am among you as he that serves. The folks, Jesus didn't have to take that position. He did it by choice because it was better for them and it was according to God's plan. Not just according to God's plan for him, it's according to God's plan for everybody, for you too. You are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father has appointed unto me. Now, folks, if there was ever time for the disciples to get happy, this should be the moment. What? Wait a minute. You're giving us a kingdom just like God gave you? This should have been the eye-opening experience for them. That, wow, Jesus is giving us something just like God gave him. Think about the supernatural nature and the supernatural aspect of that. By the way, the same kingdom he gave them is the one he gave you. Forgiveness is the real test of the love of God. Because people are going to offend us and we're going to get our feelings hurt. But forgiveness is about making a decision to let the love of God dominate us instead of walking according to how we feel. 
Thanks for being with us today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. So faith begins where the will of God is known. God's Word reveals His will to you. And once you know His will, there is nothing that can stop you from receiving what God has for you. That is the number one problem, the number one objection that everybody has, no matter what the area is, healing or whatever, that is the number one objection that people have. They don't know if it's God's will for them. Well, how are we going to find out? The answer is in the Word. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.